All right, welcome to Live Foreverish. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, and I'm with my co-host, Dr. Crystal Gossard. This is when we talk about the ins and outs of living forever-ish, you know, long, strong, vibrant lives, three things that you want to do and one thing that you don't want to do or you want to avoid, you know, whatever that may be. So let's get right into this. In number one, Dr. Crystal, sleep for weight loss. I like the way that sounds. I know. My mom has been telling me this now for a few years. She found it to be the secret to her weight loss. My mom is doing really well. Congratulations, mom. And she said, well, if, if I'm, if I'm sleeping, I'm not eating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that, well, you know what? There's wisdom there because that is true. Yes. And we are now seeing it in the research. And we wanted to highlight a study published uh, February of 2022 in the Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine. And the the objective of this study was to determine the effects of a sleep extension intervention on objectively assessed energy intake, meaning how many calories you're taking in, energy expenditure. So that's the the amount of calories that you're burning and body weight in a real life setting um, in individuals who are overweight, who typically had a decreased sleep duration. So, so, so these are people who maybe weren't sleeping the, like maybe less than six hours or sign. I don't know the number, but, and so when they say sleep extension, they, they, they did things to help them extend that into the more normal range, I guess. Yes. And you're right. So it's the people who slept less than 6.5 hours per night. And, and so they gave them sleep hygiene counseling, Hmm. you know, counseling session with the goal to kind of extend their bedtime to at least two hours. So from about 6.5 up to 8.5 hours. And okay. then, of course, there's yeah. a group that continued their normal decrease. And, 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 and your mom's right on this, right? I mean, basically, she's sleeping more, and in those extra two, three hours, she's not eating. Woohoo! I mean, right there, that's, what, that's the <laughs> that's the gist of it, right? <laughs> I'll tell you, it works for me. Uh, if I can get to get to sleep, yes, because I'm a I'm a late night snacker. The longer Ooh, I stay up, yeah. the more I will tend to go to the pantry and just stand there, look around. Look, yeah. What are, do I want that chip? Would I like to have that piece of candy? What See I what's in there. Go stand with the fridge open. Ooh. I'm a chronic offender. Yeah. Uh, and just see, hmm, I'm I like want you. a snack. I'm like you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm not just a nighttime snacker. I'm just more of a snacker. Like I, I, I have a little bit of a breakfast. I have a little bit of a post breakfast. I have a little bit of a lunch. Like I, I'm kind of snacking all the time, and I, so I, I really do try to snack healthy. I have, I have celery sticks and carrots and stuff like that to reach for. Um, but I, so I get this. If I sleep a little bit longer, I'm, you know, maybe I'll skip that post breakfast snack. You know, I don't know. <laughs> right. Yes. And so actually, in this study, there was an increase in in the sleep duration. And that's, you know, we can contribute that to the sleep hygiene counseling. And there was a decrease in calorie intake of actually about 270 calories per day. And that, listen, that adds up, right? That's good. That's, that's good. Uh, 
a calorie deficit down the line, right? Because I'm sure now, so let's back up for just for one sec though. Were these people in the study also following a low calorie diet or was this just sleep? Yes, that the intervention was just sleep. And the study was conducted over a six year period, which is nice. So it's kind of just real world, uh, real life settings, which is nice for a study to kind of see it's it's controlled, but you're still in the real world. And all we wanted these individuals to do was just increase the number of hours they slept. Who would have thought sleep to lose weight? Wow, I like that. That's a good headline. That is in number one to living forever-ish. Number two is glutathione for the brain. Now, you, Dr. Crystal, we've talked about glutathione a lot. You want to just give us a quick little rundown why we talk about it so much? Well, we think about glutathione specifically as one of the body's most powerful internally produced antioxidants. It's all about fighting free radicals, combating oxidative stress, and boosting your immune system. Right. I mean, th- this this is the an- an- um, antioxidant that that your body makes and loves, basically, right? I mean, this is, this is the big one. Yeah. Um, so tell us about now the connection to the brain, because this is interesting. We know there's a lot of brain issues going on, a lot of inflammation, and people are now talking more about oxidative stress in the brain? Is that kind of where we're going with this? Yes. The brain is also, you know, along with the rest of the body, susceptible to oxidative stress, oxidative injury. And we know that that relates to cognitive dysfunction. We also know that levels of glutathione decline in the brain with age. Mm -hmm. So now your brain's natural antioxidant defenses are lower. And this was an interesting factoid. Autopsy studies show that patients with mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease have depleted glutathione levels in certain areas of the brain. Now, there's always the question of the cause or the effect. Right, right, right. Yeah, not sure, but that's still interesting, right? Still very interesting. We know that glutathione is playing a role in, in that disease, Alzheimer's um, is what we're talking about. But we also see that it has been shown to be decreased in conditions such as Parkinson's, schizophrenia, bipolar, even major depression. Well, so glutathione, we want to boost it. We want to maintain healthy levels. What's the best way then to go around uh, increasing my, my glutathione level? Well, Dr. Mike, have you heard that you shouldn't take it directly because... The body yeah. doesn't absorb it. That's yeah, really okay. common. Yeah. So years and years ago, we recognized glutathione as an important supplement, but it wasn't uh, widely available because no one could design it or formulate it in a way that it actually had decent absorption and bioavailability. Yes. But, 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 but researchers. But, yeah. But, but after that, though, right, mm-hmm. they came out with the reduced form. Yes. Of glutathione, which was a little bit better. But still not, I don't know, I don't think it builds up the levels that we really need. So I think going to the precursors is the best way. This is my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, I I think potentially the precursor, which is NAC, is going to be the better way. But we now know that there are transporters in the body transporting glutathione and there wasn't a methodology able to detect it. So in some of that research where they were giving people glutathione and not 
able to kind of detect those levels in the plasma, that's because they weren't okay. looking for that right. um, that that's that transported glutathione. Yeah, interesting. So that's our, so some of those initial studies were artificially low in looking at absorption and bioavailability. I have not heard of that. I find that interesting. But NAC, listen, NAC, N-acetylcysteine is the main precursor to glutathione. But it not only is it going to boost glutathione, it does a lot of awesome stuff by itself for the body, right? I mean, yes. why not just do the NAC? <laughs> I, you know what, Dr. Mike, that's, that's my approach personally. Um, just so that there aren't any questions about it. Yeah. <laughs> we know, we know NAC works and what's really nice when we go back to this idea of helping, um, brain health. And you've talked about this before when the brain is overexcited, it almost kind of shorts out, fizzles yeah. out. I yeah. think that's the language that yeah. you use, Dr. Mike. Short circuit. <laughs> right. And so we see that NAC can help to normalize the function of the glutamate receptor. That's that excitatory yeah. neurotransmitter that can lead to the short circuiting yeah. and just help to improve the balance in that glutamate signaling. Yeah. It's interesting is that people, you know, when it comes to brain chemistry, you, you would think the brain loves to be excited, be up, be working, right? But it really doesn't. It actually has a lot of mechanisms to, to calm down. The brain. A lot of powerful inhibitory neurotransmitters are quickly produced when the brain is a little too up because it doesn't, your brain doesn't want to fizzle out. <laughs> so that's it. I like that. So NAC, so there's a great, so yeah, right there, let's just take NAC. Call yeah. it a day. Yeah. If in doses, if you're looking for how much to take, roughly about 600. Some doses up to 4,000 milligrams per day. Now, I have to tell you, most people are going to be 600, mm -hmm. 1,200 milligram range. Yeah, that's a, that. I mean, there must be a reason for that higher dose. I, I can't think of something, but a clinical something going on. Anyway, so yeah, 600, 1,200 is what I'm familiar with. So yes. that's NAC, and that's boosting glutathione. That's in number two. In number three, rye bread. Right now, I listen, I'm a rye bread fan, I love it. I'm a bread fan. I'm a carb fan. <laughs> now, that is one thing we have in common, Dr. Mike. <laughs> Let's just get, come on. Good piece of, oh, bread just coming right out of the oven with some But I like, bread. yeah, I like rye bread. I like my tuna melts on rye bread. Oh, yeah. All melt. Uh, doesn't matter what kind of melt it is. It has to be on rye bread. <laughs> any melt? It doesn't matter. Tuna melt, hamburger melt, is any melt. If it has melt in it, it better be on a rye bread. Well, Dr. Mike, rye bread, and I only have tuna melts on rye bread, but I guess I should have more because the research here is showing <laughs> that rye bread is actually a super grain. Um, I, I, yeah, I believe it. Full of fiber is one of the grains with the most, uh, like the highest fiber content. Oh, and that's why you like it. You like your right. fiber. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we there was a study. Obviously, that's what this is all about. Highlighting a study that was published in uh, the journal Clinical Nutrition. It's the largest study to uh, designed to evaluate the effects of different types of grains on body weight and body fat. And the first study to focus specifically on rye. Mm. And these researchers found that. The, the individuals who ate 
the the rye versus refined wheat lost more body fat, lost more body weight. There you go. And there you go. I think the the most interesting thing in my mind when you start thinking about why, I immediately think, okay, no brainer. The fiber it's helping with your appetite, but the researchers did not see a significant difference in their appetite. Um, so now in my, you know, obviously I like to hypothesize and try to figure out what's going on in this study. I think maybe it's the glucose management. Yeah. I think it's the, it's the group that was on the, the pot processed wheat, right? That turns right into sugar. That sugar turns into fat. So I think, I think what you're looking at here is, is a study that might be pointing towards, um, yeah, the rye is great. The fiber probably did help, but avoid avoid that processed wheat. Yeah, that's what telling me. Yeah, avoiding the processed wheat. That's it. And then, of course, the fiber is giving you magnesium. That's going to help with blood sugar, blood pressure. Is providing iron, yeah. calcium, potassium. And that, um, that processed wheat. That process. That, that it didn't have any of that stuff. Or if it does, they're at such low, low levels, it doesn't make any, you know, it's, it's insignificant. Yes. All right. That's rye bread. So I think you should have a tuna melt this afternoon. I think I will. I I think I will, Dr. Mike. I boiled an egg this morning and I thought in my mind, oh, I can make tuna salad. (gasps) There you go. There you go. I just made your lunch menu for you. That's rye bread. Uh, again, I love it. One of my favorite um, uh, forms of bread. Uh, so now, now we got to talk about the out. This is what you don't want. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, so I'm just going to say what the out is, but it's going to, we need to explain a little bit why we're talking about it. And, and out number one is depression. Um, so tell us, because there's a, there's some, there's an interesting quote here that you provided from molecular psychiatry. Tell us, tell it why, why are we talking about depression as an out for living forever-ish? Well, we do know that 30%, around 30% of patients with depression do not respond to antidepressant treatment. Right. There you go. Um, and so, yes, that's why we're talking about it because people are depressed. They're not yeah. getting help. Yeah. And, and when you say, here's another way to look at this as well, Dr. Crystal. So when you say 30% don't, um, uh, respond, it, you know, that response is a, is a spectrum, right? And it depends on how you're measuring it. If you really look at the total spectrum of, of how they're saying response, there are people that maybe have a very little response, mild response. If you start including them with people with no response, you're probably up to 50%. I agree, Dr. Mike. And what researchers understand that most of them have chronic inflammation, some level of chronic inflammation, which is impacting pathways in the brain related to their depression. And so now I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) Where am I going? (laughs) I think you're going to all of our wonderful anti-inflammatory nutrients that we have out there, probably starting with EPA, DHA. EPA, DHA, and the researchers, you know, it's it's a no-brainer for us, right, Dr. Mike? We talk about EPA and DHA all the time. And the researchers identified, yes, we know that EPA, DHA, they 
can have an antidepressant effect. They can have an anti-inflammatory effect. We know it's they're great for the brain. We know they uh, provide neuroprotection. And these researchers wanted to dig a little bit deeper yeah. to see, you know, what is it about the EPA and DHA? Because we have, and we've talked about this on our show, Dr. Mike, we know that EPA and DHA is broken down further into metabolites. We call right. those, those pro-resolving right. yeah. uh, mediators. Yep. Yep. We've, we've done shows uh, on that before. Yes. Specialized pro-resolving mediators. And, and so the researchers just kind of wanted to see downstream exactly what was going on. And, you know, long story short, to summarize it all, we do know that EPA, DHA, um, it, administered in this study, showed an increase in those lipid metabolites. There was an improvement in depressive symptoms. Yes. You know, so I, you know, I, I think there's, again, we have to be careful. It's just, it's my humble opinion that there is enough clinical research on fish oil, the EPA, DHA and mood disorders that it really should be a part of anyone's regimen with depression. That's yeah. just my, I mean, it, it should be, here's your fish oil, here's your Prozac. I agree, Dr. Mike. And the key to that is dosing as well. Because in this study, they dose three grams of EPA. Most people take four grams total. <laughs> Wait, no, back, no, no, we argue about this back and forth. You take four grams total. <laughs> I do two. So I guess I'm not doing enough. Well, yes. So three grams of EPA, 1.4 grams of DHA for 12 weeks. So that is just something to keep in mind. Is so they are there, so there's ask your yourself, are you yeah. taking the right dose? Yeah, four grams. Um, that's, yeah. And you also got to look at the fish oil you're taking too, because sometimes it'll say something like in one serving, two grams or four grams. But when you read the label, it, it may be total omega-3s. It may not just be EPA and DHA. So you, all, you have to look at the label, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's wonderful uh, information there uh, with depression. If that's something you're dealing with, whether your medication's working or not, I just think fish oil added to that regimen is extremely important. So there you go. There are your three ins and one out. In number one, sleep for weight loss. In number two, glutathione for the brain. And in number three, rye bread. And what's out is depression. Um, so that was, wow, wonderful show. Lots of information in this one, Dr. Crystal. That was great. Thank you for that. Um, don't forget, at liveforeverish.com, tons of new podcasts are up there. Go check it out. If you've been but haven't been back in a while, liveforeverish.com. Download, listen, like, share, comment, and subscribe so you never miss a show. That's liveforeverish.com. I'm Dr. Mike. Thanks for listening.